Well, hello everyone. Here we are, we finally made it. So a little patience. Thank you audience, thank you viewers, and thank you for all our friends and loved ones who are waiting for us. And uh, you know, don't hesitate, you could always share this. Welcome to Quantum Nurse Freedom International live stream. And for most of you uh, who knows what I've been doing, so I love gathering people to come together, especially in this current critical times. And of course, my guests today are well, nurses from US frontline nurses. And they are dear to my heart because we have a, a number of things that are in common to us. So first, we know the history of Florence Nightingale. So I think we uphold what she recommends to us to do no harm, okay? And, and we also are moms. We are, we are sisters and daughters and cousins for other people. And uh, we are also, um, did I say we love what we do and we do what we love. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all, we also are critical care nurses, either now or at some point in our history. And I noticed that the frontline nurses from around the world have that common experience of having that critical thinking, okay? And now the best thing that we all have is we decided not to just stay quiet, but to speak up, to speak out and to call everyone to action. And that action is started from each one of us. So as healing, as everyone knows that healing starts within us. So we start with ourselves as us nurses. So with me right now, and perhaps um, Catherine, who we invited to join us can still make it. But you know, as nurses, sometimes I remember you have an appointment and then you get called for doing to do something. <laughs> right. Okay, so that's just who the nurses are. And there's one thing that the nurses and you all know that whatever type of nursing you do, whatever type of nurses your family does, when you see your family, when you meet a nurse, you always ask a question about health. So that's what we are. So it's like a source of information and source of critical thinking and action for your health. So with me today are Nicole Sirotek and she is also the co-founder of the US Frontline and Megan is also with us. And uh, I will just introduce a little bit of each of them, but more they will be doing a lot of talking because they have powerful information to tell you. Their stories need to be told, okay? So shall I start with Nicole? And, and from that, my little introduction with her little bio, she could really take it away. Okay. So Thanks. my name is... <laughs> so my name is Nicole Serotech. Most people unfortunately know me from this viral video that came out back in like May of 2020. How I was like 
in New York City, uh, helping with the COVID pandemic. And things were definitely not what they were saying on the media. They said everyone was dying of COVID. And when I was there, what I found is that nobody actually died of COVID. They had COVID. They didn't actually die of COVID. They died due to medical negligence or medical mismanagement or complete overt neglect and or abuse. And um, I was able to... I guess I keep my patients alive. While I was there, I've never, I never actually had a patient die that was under my direct care um, because I was, you know, appropriately trained as a critical care nurse and as a flight nurse for 10 years. But when they said that they wanted nurses in New York, they just sent every type of nurse. And that shows you about what they really think of nurses. Apparently we're heroes, but we're not... <laughs> Apparently, we're not specialists in our field. So they sent new graduate nurses. They sent OB nurses and school nurses. And there's nothing wrong with all the different types of nurses. But you need the right nurse to the right patient at the right time. I mean, typically, we do a lot of interviews with um, one of the Canadian frontline nurses, Kristen Nagel. She's a NICU nurse. Um, and I'm a flight nurse, critical care nurse. But if it comes down to who do you need to take care of your brand new baby that's critical, you're going to want Kristen. You're not going to want me. You know, you want the specialist in their field. And how I try to explain this to people is your brain surgeon doesn't put your leg back on if it gets chopped off. And your cardiologist, you know, cardiovascular surgeon, whatnot, does not do your brain surgery. And they didn't think like that when they said that they wanted nurses. And then they said they wanted doctors. And so I was taking orders from dentists and podiatrists. And someone took orders from a gynecologist. And I'm like, what is this madness that is going on here? No wonder people are dying. Nobody even knows how to manage a ventilator. I mean, people literally weren't even fed. People weren't even given water. They were left in their own feces. They Sometimes they were dead on the ventilator and nobody even knew. Because sometimes they weren't even on a centralized monitoring system. And even if they were, who was monitoring it, nobody knows. And so this, this chaos that was NYC, that was the spark that fueled the entire COVID pandemic for the United States. All that madness that happened in NYC was why we, you know, locked down the rest of the country. It's why we locked away the elderly in the nursing homes. It's why we shut down the schools. And to be quite honest, it didn't have to be that way because it was not an accurate portrayal of what happened in NYC. It was just a big cluster and people died because we as healthcare professionals didn't have our act together. There was no strategic plan for dealing with a pandemic like this. If you Google like New York's, uh, New York, especially New York City's pandemic 1918 influenza uh, tentative response, like pandemic response, they have like an like a 88 page like document on how they're gonna respond. Not once did it like address where they were gonna get staff. It did say staff was gonna have mental health crises after. Um, look for that. No interventions, by the way, just go home and <laughs> suicide or develop a drinking or drug problem. I don't even know, but it was never addressed how they were going to get staff there. So then you've got all these staffing agencies flooding New York with all these nurses that were not the appropriate skill set. I mean, we could have done team nursing or a lot of times you get paired with somebody else that isn't critical care. So you're the critical care nurse managing like, let's say the ventilator and the drips, but you're paired with a medical surgical nurse or even an OB nurse or a school nurse who can do bed baths, range of motion, restraint release, um, things like that, you know, give meds in a peg tube. I mean, things that, you know, most of us as, as basic nurses can accomplish. And they didn't think like that. They just like, they're like, here, OB nurse, here's three ventilated patients, keep them alive. 
or here new graduate nurse that hasn't actually even finished your fourth semester of nursing school. Um, here's, a, here's two patients on a ventilator. Please keep them alive. I mean, you're 21 years old, like your only job before that was working at like a Sonic Burger and you're thrown into a COVID pandemic, the first since 1918, and you're told to keep people alive on equipment you've never been trained on with the, I mean, you're, you're a baby, you're a baby nurse. You're supposed to have grown up nurses to take care of you and help you grow and develop. And that's not what happened. And it was just chaos. And every time you tried to say something, either the other nurses would just like, well, you think you're a know-it-all. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm really quite average. I mean, an average is really pushing it as a compliment for myself. Okay. I mean, I'm literally average. And if I'm over here telling you that you need to put all your all your ventilated patients on end title, that's a basic standard of care. That's like, I don't know, turning them, doing range of motion, doing oral care. It's basic standard of care. The fact that you don't know that is concerning. Well, my pulse ox, my pulse ox says I'm uh, satting fine. I'm like your pulse ox is strapped to the met, like the metal rail of the bed. That's why you need your end title. And so like I had one nurse, she was just like, if I have to hear the word end title out of your mouth one more time. And I'm like, okay, at that point you're on your own. And surely enough, a couple hours later, her patient died. And I'm like, you're not even following standards of care. You try and correct the doctors. They're like, well, this is what management told us to do, or this is what admin told us to do, or this is what the attending told us to do. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. If you're doing something and it's not giving you the response that you want, don't continue to do it. You know, I feel like that. I mean, that's called empirical judgment and critical thinking. Don't continue to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I mean, we knew that the ibuprofen worked. We knew that the steroids worked back in the beginning. We knew that high dose vitamin C helped. We knew all sorts of stuff that worked, but they wouldn't let us do it. They just came in, pharma rolled in with all their experimental drugs that they pulled off, off, off the shelf because, you know, we're an emergency use authorization. We can pull everything off the shelves and test it on these people. I mean, like, why are we there testing Ebola drugs on people? Why are we there testing um, hepatitis drugs on people? Why are we there testing HIV drugs on people? These are not appropriate drugs, even in clinical trials. I mean, oh, we want to see if there's cross like use of it. And I'm like, now is not the freaking time. We have a huge, you know, pharmacological library we could be pulling from right now. Not like figuring, not reinventing the wheel in the middle of a, of a crisis situation. Because now we're worried, like we don't know how these drugs work because they, they failed in clinical trials for the original disease process that they were scheduled for. Now we're in, trying, in a completely new disease process in a pandemic with the wrong type of professionals. And how do we know what is affecting what? And we don't, we don't even know what this drug's gonna cause. I don't even know the name of this drug to look it up in Medscape or Hippocrates. What is this? Oh, I don't know. Drug coordinator came down and said we had to hang in. Like, mm -mm, that's not how it works. I mean, and it was just absolute madness. And I think back on it all the time and I'm like, what the hell were we doing? I mean, I, I had to like fight people for like equipment. And I'm like, they're like, oh, you don't need sequential compression devices. I'm like, yeah, I do. If that person's dead, I want them. Like, I mean, literally, like I felt like I was grave robbing. <laughs> I would poach equipment off people or like we know someone's about to die. And I'm like, hey, when your person dies, can I get that pump in there? Or, you know, hey, your person is probably not going to make it. So when they die, can I get that feeding pump? It was deplorable. And I'm like, they wanted 30,000 ventilators, but where were the 30,000 feeding pumps you needed to keep these people alive? You know, when I'm over here trying to bolus feed somebody through a syringe. And I mean, bolus feeding is not like the best way to do it. There's like all sorts of stuff that can like happen. 
And it was just ridiculous. I mean, who thought to maybe, I don't know, maybe we should have blankets and sheets. I remember one nurse had to like make a phone call back to her family and her church had to do a drive to get blankets to New York because the nursing home didn't have blankets anymore. I mean, there was a time where I'm like, we don't even have any blankets. We have a couple sheets left. I mean, I'd used all the pillowcases to stuff them with ice to cool my patient down because they wouldn't give Tylenol. I mean, I literally had the windows open in New York City in May trying to cool my freaking patients down because they wouldn't give me Tylenol to regulate their temperature. I'm like, what? We're not even giving Tylenol, guys. What is going on? We're not even, I don't, I don't know. I came here to help and be a nurse. You're not even letting me do my job, which is to save lives. So, Nicole, just before you were in that situation, um, what, what did you see? Like, so were they already in emergency that they had to be placed in the ventilator or when they were just doing it? And, and I say it, it's the way, you, the way I'm hearing it from you, it really doesn't make sense because even as, as nurses with other specialties, I would depend on the, on the nurse who has the specialty for that situation. I will go to you, okay? And if it's a, you know, OBGYN situation in, in maternity and delivery section, I'm not gonna be asserting all what I know. I'll ask first the OBGYN nurse. And see, it, 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 yeah, it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I do know that, you know, when and, uh, with someone like you with such training as well as with Megan's training or in critical care, you can't help but really question. And the good doctors, the really intelligent doctors, they like to be questioned. They like also for a nurse to open their mouth and suggest something. So, so is it really necessary at the very beginning to do all of that? So there's a couple things because there's like three parts to that question um, is like where they really needed to be intubated. And sometimes, yes, they needed to be intubated. They were struggling to breathe. I mean, sometimes we'd be there in front of the door coaching them on, come on, deep breath. You can do it, you know, until we're like, we've got to intubate this person. Um, other times, like in the e some of the ERs, remember back in the beginning, we didn't have PPE. So what they did is the doctors are like, OK, we're just going to intubate them. So they were just intubating people that didn't have airway issues, that weren't having a hard time breathing. And this is what happened with my little Hispanic lady. She came in because the news told her, if you have these symptoms, you need to go to the hospital. Remember, we saw it on CNN. And so she waited in line and she got in and she came because she had a fever. That was her only symptom. Um, and she had no trouble breathing. Her vital signs were immaculate, especially for, you know, a later age Hispanic lady, no diabetes, no nothing. I mean, she was like amazingly healthy, just had a fever. They intubated her within 15 minutes of walking in that door. And I'm just like, what? So unnecessarily intubating people, um, because the ventilators were closed circuits. So if they're on the ventilator, they can't like breathe out the COVID air and, and you know, get all the nurses and doctors sick. And then we all die. Remember fear created this chaos and we stopped using basic critical thinking skills. Um, I mean, what, throw everyone a mask, like rip up the sheets and make masks. Cause remember it was all about the masks. I'm like, I'm like, why didn't y'all just rip up some sheets or pillowcases, uh, you know, or even make create some type of barrier and like use masks or whatever, if you're all that worried about it. 
we could have done that instead of intubating somebody. I don't understand. So, I mean, and then there was um, cases where they were intubating patients because they didn't know how to put the ventilator into BiPAP mode. A lot of these emergency vents that they sent to New York were from the emergency stockpile. They were all, half of them were defective. That was another reason people died on the ventilators, not having the appropriate people to manage them. They were defective to begin with. And then the doctors didn't know how to put the vet into BiPAP mode, even though there's like a three minute video on YouTube on how to do it. And so they're just like, I'm like, they one one doc intubated 15 people in one shift. And, and like, then you find out and you're talking to the nurse. I'm like, dude, it's just this button and this button. And then it goes into BiPAP mode. And he's like, man, I really wish we would have known that earlier. We intubated all these people for the past week. And I'm like, what are you guys doing when you're sitting back at, in your hotel room? Like, I mean, you only work for 12 hours. It only takes us 30 minutes back and forth to the hospital. I mean... What are you doing? Why aren't you researching more? I mean, because it was a pouring out of research. And every time, like, I'm like, what ventilators are we using? And, like, I'd be on my phone watching YouTube videos on it. Because, I mean, I know the basics of it, but there's, like, some stuff to fine-tune that you want to know, especially if you're getting error codes and you're not familiar with that vent. So, I mean, unnecessarily intubating people, not knowing how to manage the ventilators, defective ventilators, and it's – and you know, having the wrong staff managing those ventilators. Because remember, did the news ever ask for respiratory therapists? Never. So the people whose profession is literally airway, they were never called to the pandemic. So now you've got one respiratory therapist managing 400 patients for the shift. And the nurses would keep calling the respiratory therapist thinking that they were going to come take care of their ventilator. I'm like, no, no, no. No one is coming to rescue you. You came here to rescue everyone else. And so... That was, that's the issue with like the ventilators. And then what was like the other part? There was like the two other parts to the question that you asked. Like, I'm like, I got off on a tangent about the ventilators. No, I can't that, remember. That's, that's good for now. Okay. 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 So, but maybe we'll hear from, uh, we'll hear from Megan and then we could just continue the conversation because I'm yeah, sure, sure we, we all have uh, questions in our head to among each other and, then the our viewers can benefit from it. Yeah. So, yeah. Because uh, there's, it, it's a we've been doing all this conversation and education, advocation for a long time now, all of us. So that's that would have been Catherine, and we'll wait for Catherine. She shows up, but right now we'll do Megan. Okay. Yeah. Megan, go ahead, Megan. Share your story. Yeah. I know you're a critical care nurse as well. I am. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on, Grace. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, so I have been doing critical care for over a decade now, uh, and I thoroughly love my job, uh, you know, working in the pandemic, working at a major level one critical um, or trauma center county hospital. We saw all the things all the time. Um, and, you know, in the beginning of everything, uh, you know, the consensus on the unit was, oh, it's just another flu. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody really just needs to calm down. Then we kind of started getting some patients um, with COVID and they weren't necessarily um, as responsive to treatments as normal respiratory therapy or respiratory illnesses would be typically. You know, we usually do some things and then, you know, they're pretty responsive and then we're able to kind of get them over the hump and then let them write out the rest of their stay in the hospital. But for whatever reason, COVID was just not that case. You know, it was 
Um, it had a lot to do one with people were coming in a lot later in the in the disease um, because they were being told not to flood the hospitals. Mm -hmm. So we were seeing a lot of people coming in um, that were already for lack of a better term, too far gone. Um, you know, it, the thing with a lot of diseases is early intervention. You know, if you start, you know, mitigating the processes very early on, you're able to navigate the waters a lot easier and you're um, able to have better outcomes. But with COVID, that wasn't the case because everybody was told to stay home. Um, so we were having patients coming in, you know, a lot later in the process and we're not having as good of outcomes because of that. Um, so when we were seeing these patients come in and they weren't very responsive, you know, the consensus started to change on the unit and we were kind of like, okay, maybe there's something, you know, there's a little bit of merit to this, this um, narrative that is being pushed so heavily. And so, you know, we were doing all the things with our masks and, you know, people wearing masks. Um, we were uh, very much for that narrative. Um, and we never got too busy in my hospital until about December through February. And that's a, that's pretty normal in regards to respiratory illnesses during the winter time. We do have that influx of patients. This was definitely more in my hospital. We saw a lot more. Um, so I can't say that it was like a normal uh, flu, if you will. Um, things that started to kind of make me question what was going on was at my hospital, county specific, we have uh, lots of homeless. The, a lot of the homeless population come into our um, our facility, and I always have some type of homeless patient um, when I'm taking care of you know the normal patients day to day. And we were not having any. I still to this day can't think of one single homeless person that we took care of that had COVID. Um, and so I was, I kind of started, you know, questioning things like, well, why are, you know, the homeless people not being affected by this? You know, we know that they're not washing their hands, you know, they're not, if they are social distancing, you know, maybe who knows. Um, and if they're wearing masks, they're wearing, wearing them just as egregiously wrong as the rest of the world was. They weren't clean. They weren't properly putting them on. They weren't pro properly taking them off. Um, you know, things that you would think of whenever you are utilizing PPE in the appropriate way that we have been trained to do. So, you know, those are three things that they weren't doing um, and yet they were still not being affected by any of this that was going on. So I started asking questions and then I started um, really kind of researching things. And then, you know, I just started going down all these rabbit holes and I was like, ah, you know, information overload. And, you know, I really started, you know, pushing back on why are we not doing certain things and why are we only doing certain drugs that aren't working? You know, remdesivir is expensive and convalescent plasma is expensive and both of those can work, but they're very much so early interventions. If they're, you know, the symptomatic individuals, you know, with you have a very specific window of like three to seven, three to 10 days. If you're symptomatic with um, COVID, you get treatment, early interventions are most effective, but we were giving these patients these things and they were not um, assisting with getting them better. They were, if anything, just prolonging what was eventually going to occur, which was the demise of a lot of the people that did come into the hospital. So, um, but, you know, we were kind of doing some of the um, hydroxychloroquine and then the high dose vitamin C, but not really consistently enough to say that, um, you know, it was being effective because I know that dosage is a big thing. So, you know, it was a lot of everybody was just kind of figuring it out in the beginning. We were all just really trying to navigate these, you know, waters and we did some things wrong. We did some things right. But for the majority of the time, it was a lot of things that 
you know, didn't really help it, you know, hurt more. So, you know, that was really interesting when, you know, I'm seeing, you know, information about like budesonide and hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and, you know, asking the physicians, why aren't we utilizing these drugs? And them saying, oh, they don't work or we don't have access to them or whatever the answer was. But yet we were still giving remdesivir and convalescent and things that weren't working. So, you know, it was very interesting to see kind of all of that play out. And it really, you know, it was very disheartening because I loved my job. I loved it. I loved working with critical patients, loved working with the doctors. You know, we all had a very good, you know, workflow, um, you know, bounced ideas off of each other. And, you know, it was always a great place. And then, you know, last year it really sucked because it wasn't the same uh, environment that I was used to. So that was really hard. And it really kind of just started, you know, putting more of these ideas or not ideas, um, questions in my head. And then I had to start, you know, doing independent research and then coming to find out some pretty hard pills to swallow, you know, in regards to the medical industry and westernized medicine and, you know, really not having the same opinions that, you know, I had once shared for such a long period of my professional, you know, career. So, but, uh, yeah. And then after February, we started slowing down again and, um, a lot of patients died. We didn't have very many people that made, um, that did very well. Um, and that was a whole, you know, there was no um, range specific. It was, it was pretty broad range, uh, but usually like 40 to 60 was right around the, the range that I saw in our facility that didn't do very well. So more so. And then, but yeah, so that was kind of my story during the, during mm. the pandemic, if you will. <laughs> but you, you both, um lost your job right thereafter mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you're explaining yourself or you're just being an advocate now so um, so you know what what do you think why is it that suddenly it's like that that community of talking to each other planning because that's a big thing also in in any critical unit right i still remember when we gather quickly and just pull our heads together with doctors and intensivists and just do you know just put things around and there will always be like like one leader to do you know to navigate all of us what what happened to that why do you think that that disappeared are they just really like following the protocol blindly and there was no one accountable person i mean yeah in in our you know facility in the facility that i worked in you know we always did we worked really well with each other the teamwork was always great um and they very much still have that if you continue to subscribe to the narrative that is currently being you know very popular once you start kind of questioning that mm -hmm. and start showing you know valid information as to you know assist with the rebuttal that you have they still don't want to hear it even physicians i mean i i have talked to physicians about it at great lengths you know um and one physician in particular he's like i don't want to hear it he's like don't want to hear it and i'm like <laughs> why <laughs> you know are you afraid of you know i going against what you think is possibly correct, you know, in light of evidence that could assist with you having maybe a different opinion. It, it, it really sucks because people that I, physicians, nurses, colleagues that I really, you know, held in such high regard, I, I don't share that same opinion anymore of them. 
because they are for whatever reason and i'll i'll never know um they just you know hold so firm in those beliefs that they, they have despite evidence of the contrary so i just i never and especially in the world of science because science is continually evolving it's continually changing you know that's the one constant within the medical field is change change is always occurring regardless of what you think is happening something can always come up and change the normal um but unfortunately people they get so stuck in their ways and they don't want to see anything different and that that's at the demise of you know unfortunately the people that succumb to the treatment that are being that are that is provided by these individuals so you know it's it, it's hard because i really did enjoy working with these people and i really did respect a lot of them and i really enjoyed the time i shared with them but i can't blindly just continue to follow something one that i know in my heart is not accurate um but two is very obvious it's very obvious the agenda that is currently going on i mean it's so obvious you literally I don't even know if it's slapping everybody in the face, but people just choose to continue with the abuse. I don't even know how, that mindset. I, I I can't understand that. So I don't know. That's my experience, Nicole. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my husband's mowing in the backyard, so I'm trying oh. not to like <laughs> like have that in the, in the audio here. I I don't even know. In the beginning, it was chaos and fear. Fear drove the chaos and chaos drove the fear. But it's just like we told them in the beginning. And I and I cite New York a lot, but I've also worked in California and New York at, at those epicenters. So, it, and it was no different even later on throughout the pandemic. But in New York, I'm like, hey, I think these people are, throw, are like throwing clots. Like, hey, out of nowhere, my guy has like a DVT or... I don't know where I think this guy has a stroke. I just pulled him out for like a sedation vacation, checking his neuros. Um, something's going on. And they're like, no, this is a respiratory disorder. That doesn't cause strokes, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, no, really, we need to put these people on pro like some type of DVT prophylaxis. Because remember, we didn't have 30,000 SCDs, right? Nobody thought to get those along with the ventilators, maybe actually more because even the bed bound people needed those. So I had to convince the doctors and I was dealing with all these residents that were um, here doing the residency from other countries. So honestly, I don't think they're, I know that they pass an equivalency test, but their concept of what is appropriate medical care, I don't believe is the same standard as American care. You can't just like not treat people you know, and I'm like, hey, we need to put them on Lovenox or something like that. You know, maybe it is the legs. I don't know. But this is happening way too frequently. Everyone's having clots, you know, even people on the SCD machines, even the people on Coumadin, what's going on? And they're like, no, COVID doesn't cause rest, like blood clots. And I'm like, hey, if you don't put them on like Lovenox for DVT prophylaxis and they end up with the DVT, quality control is going to fire you because you're going to cost them money with a hospital associated condition. And they're like, oh, that's how I got Lovenox for my patients. And I'm just like, what? We're not even thinking anymore. And and you try and talk with them about like basic medical care and they, they weren't down for it. And I'm like, hey, why are we doing this if it doesn't work? Why is somebody's peep up to 40? 
when Pete doesn't go past, I think it's 25. And I'm like, and I asked a doctor one time, I'm like, Hey, you, how long have you been running these types of protocols? He's like, you know, a month or two now. And I'm like, how many people have you seen walk away from this and live? And he's like, I haven't seen anybody. I'm like, then why do you keep doing it? You obviously know that, that you're causing barotrauma with these vent settings. Stop doing it. Try something else. I, I don't know, PDQ, ADPI, come on guys, this isn't that hard. I'm a nurse and I'm an average nurse at best. And I'm telling you what you're doing is not working. You should have figured that out because you're the one with like some fancy MDDO, whatever. And I just don't get it. I mean, I even brought up to um, one of the education coordinators who was walking around making sure that all of us like FEMA nurses uh, in the NYC hospital was like, we knew how to manage the pumps. And I'm like, hey, just to let you know, I think these pumps are, are programmed incorrectly because look at, based off this volume of this drug and this drip rate, I should have way more medication than this. And she's like, oh, well, I'm sure it's fine. And I'm like, this is a base, this is like a blood pressure medication keeping my person from like not dying. And if it's too high, it'll cause a stroke. It's the opposite of what I want to do for my patient. My job is to keep them alive and do no harm. If I'm, if, you know, so I had to manually put everything into my pump and do everything in the basic mode. And I'm like, hey, if you guys just, uh, you know, printed out like a drug sheet, like in a grid, um, looks like a multiplication table. You know, this drug at this rate, blah, 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 blah. We have it in flight all the time. You know, it's like strapped to a little armband on our arm. It's even in our, like, attached to our monitors and stuff. And I'm like, we don't even do drug calculations. We look at the, you know, matrix and we know what we're supposed to do. Um, like, you can just pass those out like candy to everybody, and I bet you this will solve a lot of these problems. And she's like, okay, thanks. Nothing ever became of it. And then I tried to tell the other nurses, hey, you need to run the drug calculations. And they're like, we don't know how to run drug calculations. App. Yeah, they just kept doing it with the pump set, and then people kept dying because the pumps were inappropriately programmed. I mean, you should not run through 100 milliliters of fentanyl in 15 minutes. Obvious. Your fentanyl is, the pump is wrong. Okay, guys, it's, but you couldn't question it. You just did it. They just wanted you to do. They didn't want you to think. And I'm like, my job is literally to think. I can do, anyone can do. I can train my two-year-old son how to hang a bag of medication, okay? I can train anybody to do that. I can't train any everybody to think. And, you know, you try and bring it to the doctors. They didn't want to listen. You tried bringing it to admin. They didn't want to listen. And then you get labeled a troublemaker, and then they get rid of you. I mean, right? <laughs> Megan, isn't that why we were all fired? I mean, literally, I mean, I was looking at my performance review three months before I got fired. And it said, I'm a huge nurse advocate. My skills and my, you know, critical thinking is beyond reproach. I mean, I think it's on my Facebook still. I'm like, you know, I think the only demerit I have is that I was always late on my charting. But I mean, gosh, guys, as nurses who isn't late on charting, it's charting sucks. And then three months later, I'm fired for, you know, endangering the life of a patient because I tell them not to get the COVID, you know, jab because they have an internal bleed and there's, you know, talk of people having clotting issues from it. Um, and I get fired the next day. And sure enough, two weeks later, they pull that vaccine from the market because it causes clots. And I'm like, and the patient calls me and thanks me. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, the worst part is I told her, I'm like, hey, don't take it until we can talk with your doctor about that. Because, you know, we need to work up this bleed first because, you know, it's kind of serious. And no, you cannot question the narrative. I mean, that's critical thinking skills. And I'm like, hey, we have plenty of vaccines out in the community. We'll get you one. I, I can get someone to come to your house and give it to you. You won't even have to leave. 
I mean, how great is that? How often do people just come to your house and give you the medical treatment that you need, you know? And no, you cannot question it. And if you can't question it, that's concerning. I mean, if a child like has signs of sexual abuse, we should question it, right? We don't just turn a blind eye. If, you know, someone is like falling over dead on the sidewalk, we don't turn a blind eye. We question it and we do something about it. I just see something, say something. And all of a sudden, the way we used to do stuff didn't matter anymore in this COVID culture. It didn't. We're all on this runaway train and we're so far down this track that there's no coming back and we're not even attempting to slow ourselves down. We're just going to keep going on this runaway train. And it's the most bizarro twilight zone situation I have ever seen ever. I mean, we're not even practicing medicine anymore. I mean, it's ridiculous. Thank you. Thank you both for sharing that. And uh, oh, welcome, Catherine. Catherine made it here. But anyway, um, just in response, it was it's really interesting that we're we're all in this together in such a very strange, as you said, time and that could be so frustrating. But at the same time, I, I know all of us will find the goodness of what's happening, especially when now the things that we have observed before is coming out more and more because i bet all of us have that experience that there was already no we noticed something that's already broken in the system and just it's all covered with some you know sweetness on top of it, it in fact when you mentioned um megan about science the point is the medical healthcare system science is always late with the real science and and this is perfect timing that Catherine is here now because and all of the all of us I believe have had that holistic health ways at least for ourselves and and for others and I know that Catherine will share more of what she's been doing prior to this right Catherine if I can remember it correctly she's already an author and was doing already some mind uh, mind power medicine for people to share. So we'll go to um, Nurse Catherine. Hi, well, thank you so much for having me. I um, I do uh, self-sabotage coaching. So I take people and uh, help them just rewire their brain to get to that goal that they're wanting to get to. Usually um, for me, it's health goals, um, I work especially with um, with moms who have sick children. I've I've been there myself, and uh, I see people struggle through it. And I know that there's this whole wellness side, you know, that most of us were introduced to when we were in nursing school, but somehow we got there. Um, later in our lives to know that there are alternatives that do work. Um, but even when you get there, you kind of, you, you have these mental hurdles to jump through because you, um, we have so many of these beliefs that are rooted in our brains that, you know, we need help from a physician. We need, um, drugs, we need whatever it is. Um, and you know, if your kid has a diagnosis and you can't, you can't 
sometimes it's hard to mentally let go of that diagnosis and, and realize that they can heal. So what I do is I work with, with moms and women and help them in about 90 days get through all those false beliefs and hurdles and um, get them to where they want to go. And I think um, after my first few clients, people um, gave me a lot of feedback that they wanted something that they could take home. And so and work on on their own when they were done working with me and um so i wrote this little ebook and it's a 30-day journal about how to it's like journaling your way out of self-sabotage so it's just 30 days each day is just a little snippet of how to um process your thoughts and sweet out those negative thoughts and get to those places we want to go Thanks, Catherine. And uh, you're so right with that um, that mind shift, that mind um, that that perception from the initial thinking. Because um, in my 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 story with that is that when I at early on in my young life, when I was still in the Philippines, I already thought it can't be that if I'm made in the image of God in His creation, then I, I have that infinite power, infinite healing, infinite all possibility. Yeah. And I and because I'm close to Mother Nature, because we're immersed in that, we didn't grow up with TV, with you know, and I was in the middle of that beautiful volcano where it just keeps erupting almost every year. So we're so used to that conversation with nature. We always have that storm, and all those storms never really bothered us to be fearful. So so for me, um, most people who didn't forget where you came from as being in the midst of natural disasters will not be fearful right away. And so that that moment, I already kept opening myself to other things. I, I love nursing and I love that science. And so I kept studying. I stayed because, again, I see the the just the integration of all of that. Because for me, whether it's even now, if it's bad science, good science, fake news, real news, that's still part of whole, of the whole. And so um, and so maybe Catherine, um, did you also have the difficulty in relating with your coworkers and when you're trying to open their, their mind and their perception that it's, it's a lot about their mindset? Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to tell the story when I was my last on-site job, because um, I work remotely now, but my last on-site job, uh, I actually have have always, for the last 10 years, I followed this doctor, Dr. Klinghart, and he is a physician in Washington State. He also is licensed in England, and he's actually originally from Germany. So he has contacts and practices, and he mainly just trains physicians now all over the world. And um, he has successfully treated patients with COVID with ozone therapy and, and not lost a single patient. And so I started bringing this up to my coworkers, saying, mm -hmm. you know, you guys all need to start listening to his webinars. Uh, he's teaching people how to do this. He's giving out protocols. He also used um, melatonin as an antiviral for his patients. And, uh, you know, he wasn't, he, he was coaching doctors that were serving in the hospitals, but he was 
treating people as outpatients as well. And so, you know, like as Nicole always talks about, they were getting early intervention. They weren't waiting until they were, you know, needing a vent in an ICU, but they had all been treated successfully. And when you, I, I was telling my coworkers about this, they literally didn't even know how to process it. I, I didn't even get a reply back. <laughs> they didn't even know how to like sort through that to ask a next question. Like, you know, when I hear something, I teach my kids every day. They had this awesome baseball coach that always said, don't get mad, get curious. So like when you hear something you don't understand that, you know, maybe rocks your world or sounds bizarre to you, don't get upset, get curious. But most nurses really truly, um, and the positions I was working with, don't are so programmed they don't even know how to process that information mm-hmm. okay and although although right now i'm seeing seems like you know even if it's not too open yet but nurses are slowly and other people are slowly listening more to what's mm-hmm. offered in the, the complementary alternative or the integrative whatever you call it obviously there's a, a treatment outside um uh, nicole would you like to speak um, uh, about the term conspiracy theory because you know before this i may have heard that because i already studies other things but it's just drives it was just like a question is why would they call someone telling the truth conspiracy theories i should be i could i should be calling them i should be calling them that it's conspiring against humanity <laughs> like the global is a conspiring but you know why are they telling you? but anyway i'll let i like that nicole share more yeah so from the beginning of the covid pandemic anyone that didn't follow the narrative they were branded a, a conspiracy theorist I mean, Dr. Zelensko, the original New York uh, City doctor who came out with the hydroxychloroquine that had like 800 patients and they all survived with early intervention, he was called a conspiracy theorist and he is now nominated for a Nobel Prize for what the work that he's done. I mean, Catherine and I, we went to DC to speak um, at uh, like a health freedom rally and we got labeled conspiracy theorists because I, Catherine, you told them to take a multivitamin. <laughs> like we've always been taking multivitamins. I mean, you can go to the store and there's multivitamins on the shelf. If you buy it, no one's going to look at you weird. I, I don't get it. I mean, we had other nurses that were saying, Hey, we've had all this time to manage COVID, but n- nobody's doing anything. If we know that diabetes is an underlying clause, uh, you know, negative, like, indicator, you know, contributing thing, let's manage diabetes. Here's how to eat well. Here's how to get exercise. Here's how to, you know, eat organic, uh, low carb, you know, don't eat a bunch of processed stuff. Don't eat McDonald's every day. And all of a sudden we're conspiracy theorists because we tell you not to eat McDonald's every day. Take a multivitamin. Oh, well, you're a quack. Hey, you should get 30 minutes of exercise every day, such as taking your dog for the walk, um, you know, things like that. You're a quack. And at last time I checked, I mean, I've, I've taken a multivitamin since I was a little kid. I took Flintstones vitamins. I mean, they tell us every day to get 30 minutes of exercise. That's nothing new. They've been saying that for decades. They tell you that you shouldn't eat a bunch of, of sugar and, and fats and processed food. They've been saying that for decades. Now all of a sudden we're, we're quacks because we say that? 
And then they just tarnish your reputation and they just do this complete character assassination and they just try and destroy like your integrity and who you are in order to continue this narrative. And then we just get right back up and we keep fighting because you know what? Maybe you don't want to listen and, and not eat McDonald's every day. And maybe you don't want to take a multivitamin every day. And maybe you just want to sit on the couch and not get any exercise at all. Hey, you go do that. But there's a bunch of people over here who need help and they do want to do that. They do want to get better. They do want to have good health. So that way they can minimize the chances of them dying from COVID. So, hey, we're going to help those people. Peace out. It's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I got branded a crisis actor. I mean, they didn't think I was a real nurse. They just created so much fabrication so that way they could discredit us, even though what we've been saying is the same stuff we've been saying for decades. Take a multivitamin. That doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist. It means you should take a multivitamin. I mean, we give little old ladies calcium because they're at risk for low calcium levels and osteoporosis. Are those little old ladies quacks? We have men take Sol Palmetto for enlarged prostates. Does that mean that, mean that they're quacks and conspiracy theorists? Or maybe they have enlarged prostates and there's a supplement that helped that. I don't know. I mean, people who uh, have cancer take protein supplements because of the cachexia and the muscle wasting due to chemotherapy. Because they take a protein shake, does that mean they're a conspiracy theorist? I don't think so. I think we need to start critically thinking again. And if it's really wackadoodle out there, like, hey, you should give yourself an enema of like motor oil. Yeah, that's probably quackery. If someone's telling you you should probably take a multivitamin, get some exercise and get some fresh air, that's probably not quackery. I don't know. It's just we're not thinking anymore and we're in this twilight zone and I don't even know what the hell is going on anymore. But most people don't even realize that if you start taking care of your gut health, you know, you do a gut health protocol, you clean out your diet a little bit and you optimize your vitamin D levels, then you're you're guarding yourself against a virus right there. It's that simple. Um, you know, those are the basics. And so when you start to, it sounds so simple and we're just so trained to think that everything has to be science and complex. And, you know, if Harvard doesn't come out with a study about it, then it doesn't really matter. So um, we need to get back to the basics and, start passing on this information to our kids so they know it um, and and make it normal again to drink soup, to eat soup and drink broth <laughs> and make sure your but vitamin D levels are good. Yeah. But even if Harvard does come out with a story and it's not the story that is the current appropriate story, then that doesn't matter. So it, it right. just, it literally, it's whatever they want to believe at that moment in time. It, it, it doesn't matter at, at a lot of times how much, you know, science or peer reviewed literature or NIH, you know, um, published material. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it goes against their narrative, they don't want to hear it. So, I mean, sometimes it's, it's literally, there's just that block and regardless of what science you give them, it won't assist with changing their mind, which is very unfortunate. It, it's, I, I can't imagine being that closed off to differing opinions. Well, I that remember, afraid. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I remember when, when I first came in the 1980s, mid-80s, so all the things you said were all called uh, superstitious beliefs. That was part of our superstitious beliefs, so that when 
then we found out that they're starting conferences and it was in Long Island and my friend invited me. They were doing a complementary medicine and she said, let's get our certification so that our superstitious beliefs are being, are being a witchcraft will be certified now. And then we could speak. <laughs> so, <laughs> because it took us a while to really jump on the... Jump <laughs> From witchcraft to nursing. <laughs> to even embrace all this certification, okay? Because in the Philippines, there was no certification. You go in the villages, study with older people. Mm. And that's, you know, so that's the freedom we had. And I don't know now, but, you know, the generation now, but we knew that, you know, a few of us grew up in that generation. So we came, wow, so, so the witchcraft is being certified here. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay. So, and, and, and then, and so in my indigenous background, I say, I call that as indigenous science, because in my definition of science, it is observation with all your senses, that including mm -hmm. the sixth sense, that includes even all the other senses that we don't understand. So that's for me, that's science. So I usually claim it, that's indigenous science. It's, it's interesting that a lot of modern science or it's being done to prove, which the indigenous people didn't ask anything to be proven. They they couldn't care less, except that you you take this, if you works for you, it works for you. So um how about we talk and, and that also goes down to that spirit spiritual wellness, to that emotional wellness. So how about um Megan lead us to that conversation of spiritual wellness because I know you say you said that you are a born-again Christian and all of us have some type of faith that we carried on when I came to United States I just knew about the Christian faith I know from a distance the Jewish faith I know the Muslim faith but I don't know others so when I came to United States it was like a potpourri of all faith so <laughs> yeah. Well, the you know, I always say 2020 was not the worst year for me. It was actually my best year for my family, for myself. You know, um, we started homeschooling our children because we weren't going to send them to school with masks on. And so we that, you know, inadvertently pushed us together. I was always working, always rather being at work than being at home. So I, you know, really had to start taking steps back and reprioritizing, you know, um, all sorts of things. And it allowed for my family and I to be such a tighter knit. I'm so, I'm so much more well connected with my husband, with my kids, with God, you know, I found, you know, we found our faith again. We started, you know, really, um, questioning, you know, the, the real things that matter in this life. And, you know, for us that, uh, turned into a spiritual journey and we, you know, all three of, um, or two of my older boys, they were baptized with me. So that was great. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, and what I believe is that it doesn't matter how many COVID shots you get, it doesn't matter how much vitamin C you take. If it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You know, there's nothing that you're going to do that is going to stop the plan that is already laid out for your life. So, and that's another thing too, if everybody that had COVID came and coughed in my face, 
if it was time to have you know that's the thing is it, it's it's not it's not our um decision to make you know we can only do what what we've been given and i truly believe that you know god is uh, behind everything and everything is going to work out the way it's supposed to regardless of what anybody's beliefs are you know so you know that has been a big thing in um in our house and for us personally that has where that has given me so much comfort in the sense that regardless of what happens here i know where i'm going so you know if i get COVID and die tomorrow great i'm going to heaven see y'all later i can't wait to get there you know but while I'm here, I'm going to do continue to take care of the body that God gave me because around all of us are medicines that he gave us to help us heal, regardless of if you want to believe it or not. Pharmaceuticals come stem from some sort of plant or herb that was naturally grown. You know, you just can't patent things that are natural. So there's no profit off of that. So they found a way to, you know, synthesize that in a lab and then, you know, put a bunch of other junk in there and then send it out to the masses. And then now you can patent things and profit off of them. But, you know, if you really want to look into, you know, how God made us and what he provided for us, you know, it's a great journey and you learn so much. And if you, we really need to get away from, you know, the fastness of everything, you know, the instant gratification, you know, the bandaid effects that are currently going on in the westernized societies. Um, instead of looking for root causes and figuring out why do you have your diabetes and why do you have your hypertension, you know, what led you to that path? Because you weren't born with those things. Those weren't things that, you know, you were born with. Those are things that were acquired um, for the majority of us. And if you really start looking down that path of spirituality and reconnecting with the things that really matter, you you get to this place of peace to where it doesn't matter what happens because you know ultimately the end goal for me and my family our end goal is you know going to heaven and that's where we're going to go and i can't wait to go there so <laughs> you know that's that's just what it's been great for us we've you know flourished and blossomed so much in the last year in the last year and a half really so and i have i have to thank COVID for that and all the nonsense that's gone on because i mean eventually we would have figured that out but you know it just helped us out along the way, so. Any, any thoughts on that, Catherine? I think that's beautiful. I think um, hopefully this last year has been a spiritual wake up for, for everybody. I mean, you can, you can feel the changes and it feels like a, an awakening. Um, I hope that people really feel that God is, is real. You know, I think so many people believe that God is like, is an off planet God who's um, just far away from us and doesn't have, have such an intimate relationship with the everyday of what's going on in here in on earth and what's happening here. And I just think that, um, that couldn't be farther from the truth. And I think people are awakening to remembering who we really are and, and the God power and the God courage that we really have inside of us. And I think that um, 
it's an exciting time for people who can feel that and remember that and um, and start to act like that, right? Because there's a difference between um, knowing that and then and and still going along with with the facade and with the lies. Um, but we only truly heal when we stand in our truth. And I believe that and I've experienced that in my life, my kids' life, in my patients' lives. You you don't heal until you stand in your truth. And that's what um, we all need to to do. You know, Nicole was talking about all the gaslighting we received from just telling people that to take a multivitamin. It's just there are so many lies going around now. And we cannot, whoop, I moved, we cannot um, fix that until we, we cannot heal ourselves. We cannot heal as a nation. We cannot heal as a world until we all realize that God courage we have inside of us, that God power and, and recognize that and stand in our truth. And that is when we will be able to all stand together and um, just kind of, the, you know, the people that are in control will lose power when we're all able to stand up and stand together. Now, let me ask you, all of you and all of us, you know, what is truth? Because we've all, it seems like each person can claim their truth. Mm. And okay, because they said, if your truth is based on your experience, then each of us have different experiences. So what is truth? And I guess that would also tie to the question of who are we and what or what are we? And maybe, oh, you know, any of you could start the conversation for what is your, what, how do you know what truth is? That's such a good question. I'll, I'll take it and I'll let Nicole and Megan think about it for a minute so they can jump in when they're ready. But I think, um, you know, I was inspired to join this group when I heard, um, well, I heard Nicole and and Aaron Marie's videos and I instantly loved them because I was like, yes, someone's saying that. Um, but I didn't know them enough and then I heard Kristen speak and she talks about how, you know, the truth resonates in you and then you, you recognize that. And I think it's, it is really hard to, for people to um, hear the truth and recognize truth for truth. Cause we live in a society where truth is now fluid, right? You can, you can literally, I think Demi Lovato came out this week as, she wants to be called them and they, which makes her, you know, plural, like more than one person because of her pronouns. And we all have to accept her truth now. So what really is truth? And without getting into that issue, you know, truth is now accepted as fluid in our society. Um, but I think if we get down to the basics truth, of who we are, we really are children of God. And I believe that. I believe that um, God created us in his image. And um, I don't believe in the victimization 
control that certain religions can can place on people. I don't believe that we have to. Um, I don't believe that we should wait for someone to come save us. I think I, you know I believe in Jesus Christ, but I believe that we we are um, told what we're told now from religions, not even the Bible, is that we, we don't have any power. And so I think for me, the ultimate truth is that we are children of God and that we have this incredible power inside of us. And that's how I kind of look and make my decisions now in my life. If I'm, if every, if I'm truly a child of God and, um, and I believe in God, I believe in Jesus and I have his love and his power inside of me, then do I need to be afraid of a virus? Yes or no. You know, if I'm really a child of God and God is powerful and we have access to that, do I need to be fearful of whatever the media is telling me that I should be afraid of on a given day? No, you know, I think God provides us with ways. I think we just need to open up and see those, you know, really. It, it's just we're just so blinded to not to be able to see the simple solutions that God gives us. So those are my thoughts. You guys are on now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I think that's great. I think that there's, you know, in regards to truth, everybody's going to die that that is going to occur regardless of how much hand sanitizer you pump on your little hands or you know how much oregano oil you slather all over your body it doesn't matter um you know just parroting off of catherine and in, in the sense that you know god is truth for me and i know that i am saved and i know that regard like i like i just said a minute ago you know like I, regardless i know where i'm going and i know that god has provided so many things for me personally for my family and living your life in fear is going to do nothing except take away the freedoms that he has provided for us you know i i know family members i didn't see for a whole year because they were literally hanging out in their house because they were terrified to go outside you know that's not to me that's not truth that is lies and that's manipulation and i think that there's so much of that going on right now you know regardless of if you think that my viewpoints are lies and manipulation i am not hanging out in my house and i'm not fearful of man or fearful of my neighbor i am going out and hugging and loving and kissing and you know hanging out with people and that's living living in your house and being terrified of ever you know i've seen videos of people like taking their groceries and putting soap all over them and washing them off with the water hose before they even bring them in, inside i was like what is that like you know <laughs> nicole pointing to herself you know and i maybe in the beginning of things but my faith wasn't very strong at that point you know i didn't i was not saved i was not born again so now i'm like bring it on you know give me a virus you know i we're made up of more viruses and more bacteria than we are cells you know those are always on us have always been on us will always be on us they were here long prior to us they'll be here long after us you know those are truths those are concrete 
And I choose not to live my life in fear. I choose to live my life the way God has called me to do that. And that is by loving and by, you know, living as close to his image, which I fall so short all the time. Uh, but I try and, you know, and I will always be, you know, never be enough, but I will always attempt to, you know, do the right thing and live in his likeness and in his image. And that's all we, that's all I can do. And that may not be for everyone. And that's fine. And that's the great thing about this world is that we can pick and choose. We can decide what truth we want and what truth we don't. The problem that I start to have is when you're not allowing my truth, your truth has to supersede mine. That's when we start running into issues. So if everybody wants to call their truths, whatever those truths may be, that's great. But we have to be remember that we have to respect everybody and respect their truths. And, you know, and I have tried so hard to make sure that I continue that because that's something that I want for myself and my kids. I want to make sure that they are able to speak their truths freely, regardless of what anybody else thinks or says. Yeah, I'll pick up from from there, Megan. Yeah, in the beginning, because like I was classically trained as a biochemist, like uh, my professors always said that another 1918 influenza was like pandemic was going to happen and bodies are going to start piling up. And so when it when I was home and this was all breaking, I'm like, I did. I bleached my <laughs> my like groceries. I like seriously super cleaned everything. I mean, we're not the type of people where we make you take your shoes off when you come inside our house because we just have like tile everywhere. We have four dogs. It's safer for you to keep your shoes on. I mean, no, no. Mm -mm. everything was bleached. I mean, we were bleached. I mean, all the clothes was stained with bleach. And then I come back from New York and I threw it all away because it was all just a joke. It was a joke. Even in the hospitals, it was a joke. I mean, they could pack all of us into buses and we all knew the surgical masks didn't work. So, I mean, come on guys, let's start, let's go back to the basics here. It just, none of, none of it makes any sense. I mean, you can fill a stadium with 22,000 people for the Super Bowl, but you can't go see grandma in the nursing home who's like stopped eating because she thinks everyone's abandoned her and nobody wants to love her or be with her. I mean, we can have, kids are committing suicide, but like, it's okay. We saved them because we gave them an experimental vaccine. I, I, none of this makes any sense. And sometimes the answer is just really simple. Maybe it's just like, stop doing stupid stuff. Don't go licking windows. Don't go licking doorknobs. Don't cough in somebody's eyeballs. Like if you're high risk, let's do something to protect you. Let's keep the rest of the people going. I mean, we shut down the schools and now there's repercussions for all of these interventions that we did because we didn't listen to the truth in the beginning. You know, in movies, there's always that like scientist that's like saying, hey, the asteroid's coming, we should do something before we all like die or like the tsunami or the volcano erupting or something like that. And nobody ever listens to them. And that's how disaster movies work. And you think that people would like pick up on that and be like, hey, we should probably listen to these people because they're not really crazy. I just, I can't see how people don't see that it's the truth. Like I was at a store and my I have a one-year-old and a two-year-old and they have runny noses all the time. Well, my daughter ate a booger and it gagged her. So she coughed and this old lady with her mask on backpedaled so fast, she tripped and fell over something and broke a hip. And I'm like, you were that afraid of a one-year-old who ate a booger that you just now broke a hip. And now 
you're going to have to go through months of, of therapy. You're probably going to need surgery. I mean, now you're at risk for nosocomial infections and MRSA that you're probably going to die from sooner than you were at COVID because you were afraid of a one-year-old who ate a booger. I, I mean, it's for real. I, you were making more problems than we're actually solving. And none of it makes any sense. Like I always say, it's the twilight zone. I mean, it's literally the twilight zone. I mean, you can like go to the video music awards and stuff like that, but the kids can't go to school. You can go into a restaurant and take your mask off once you sit down because apparently COVID knows to not come to you at that table. I just, none of it makes any sense. And we've created an entire lost generation. There are kids who, who have lost so much and they're never going to recover from that, especially those that were marginalized and disadvantaged to begin with. All right. And we've taken everything away and we've put in these, once again, dysfunctional systems that now that they're in place, we can't get rid of. I mean, Oregon made masking legal forever. You have to mask forever. It's for eternity. Even though the science says it doesn't work. We've got kids that have missed like so much school that they're failing out. And they're probably going to drop out forever now. I mean, how is that fair to them? I mean, your grandma still died because the healthcare workers brought COVID into the facility and it killed your grandma anyway because they were wearing surgical masks because the CDC said that they would be safe. Or we have people who are wearing surgical masks or whatnot, thinking that they're protected because they're literally following what they're they're told to do because they're trying to be safe and they're trying not to spread stuff, but they still have to go about, you know, their regular life and then they catch COVID. And then you go to get treatment and they're like, no, no treatment for you until you're, you know, need a ventilator. Come back when you need a ventilator, like Megan said. We're, none of this makes any sense and nobody's, nobody's thinking any of this is crazy yet. Except for if you take a multivitamin, then you're crazy. And... Sometimes the truth is really just that simple. Maybe things aren't as bad as they seem. I mean, because look at it like this way. I'm not as super religious or spiritual because I grew up in a drug addict home. So we didn't really have that. So I've got a lot of catching up to do in comparison to Catherine and Megan. I always go back to like the data and the science. I'm like, how come India hasn't been wiped out? I mean, theoretically, they should have been decimated in the first six months. Because the, you know, epidemiological model said that they were going to lose 60% of their population. They didn't start having problems until they, until they started getting vaccinated. I mean, get the vaccine, wear one mask, wear two masks. I don't care what you do, do what you need to do for yourself, but don't tell other people what they need to do for themselves. I mean, I don't tell you to go run marathons because they're, they're good for you. You know, I know that they're good for you, but I'm not going to force you to run a marathon and then judge you if you don't. I mean, don't judge me because I want to take a multivitamin and get some exercise. I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge you if you eat McDonald's every day, right before dialysis. Sometimes, guys, the, the simplest answer is the, is the correct answer. Maybe this isn't really a scary pandemic. Maybe this is a bunch of stupid people that didn't know what they were doing. And that's why people died. And then they implemented all of these measures and chaos just continued to ensue. And now we're all afraid to stand up because if we do, something's going to happen. I mean, in Canada, they take you away to a concentration camp. I mean, you can get arrested for going to church. I mean, they just arrested that pastor for going to church. I mean... We're on a runaway train, and until we all stand up and make it stop, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us, and I know that's very scary because they'll try and single out one of us or two of us to use as an example. They did it to me, but I'm still here, and we can make this stop. 
Okay, and that's what truth is. Truth is is pretty is common sense a lot of the times. You know, up is up, down is down, sky is blue, it's not green, two plus two equals four and not five. And you're most likely not gonna die of COVID and there's early intervention. Get the vaccine if you want. I don't care. <laughs> and that and that's that's my truth. Thank you, ladies. And um, yeah, the it's it's really interesting to see why we can see the whole picture and that intelligence doesn't really mean having a common sense and common sense my friend said it's not really common grace <laughs> it's just common sense but as as we all know about frequency in fact for me i have started i i'd rather say what am i than who am i because the what the who am i are just all the different roles that we do but the what am i goes back to that reality that for me says reality that was not taught to us or was hidden to us that we are just frequencies who decided to come to this this world and that these frequencies lead us to all the different faith and different expression that we have for our love for the fear and we all we're all in agreement that once you have fear then it's like it clouds the mind it's like the uh, the, the dark clouds and when in 1980s when i came at the height of the hiv there's a lot of fear then you know even working in hiv unit and i still see that on those patients and then um that's also when i see the difference during my time in 1980s that in the community in the philippines we didn't have a lot of cases where people are depressed or they go to counselors all the time and so i said what are they depressed for or why are they scared about death whereas we we celebrate really the dead we we just we just welcome whatever of course we don't want to die right away because we still have something to do that's what we think but we had to just say that in this finite world then there's finite things but now the the goal is now we're coming together expressing more so that that love respect and yeah nicole said and dr popper would also say it's none of our business what you want to do if you want to get the poison dart but do try to respect also those who don't want to take the poison dart okay because now for us who don't take it we got lots of things to do because in the future we might be taking care of you <laughs> which we're not happy to that you 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 know in the future because the the reports are now it's there in the vares but other reports will may not come in there but observe your family observe your family now observe your family later on so i guess in our last round let's uh, let me just hear um the information where some of you nurses and some of you who knows nurses who love to cook, to be in with uh, like-minded people then i'll let these three ladies because they're all involved in the american frontline nurses and then we we can all share the call to action okay so whoever wants to you know share about that information and you speak about your i know you have a, a strong relationship with canadian frontline nurses as well okay so i guess i'll i'll take it from here so 
We are like the they're American frontline nurses. We partner a lot with the Canadian frontline nurses. And so if you're a nurse or somebody else who wants to join with other nurses that are like mind about medical freedom, about holistic care, about real science and research, about doing the right thing and doing no harm, stuff like that, get a hold of us on social media. You can get a hold of us on on Twitter, Facebook, and What's the other one? Instagram. I mean, I'm, trying, I'm like, which ones have we not been deplatformed off of yet? Um, and you can message us there and you can connect with us. We also have a podcast called ooh, ooh, Ask the Nurses. It's the podcast that combines the American and Canadian frontline nurses. And every um, Tuesday at 2, what is it? 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. See, I told you, Grace, it's like, the time zones. It's so crazy. Um, we have a podcast and we bring on specialists, other nurses, things like that. We've had a lot of the big names. I don't want to say their names because we'll probably get censored. Um, things like that. Um, and we bring them on to like educate and inform people. We teach people how to advocate. Uh, we let people know what's going on in the world, what's going on with research, things like that. And you can contact us on any of our social media for the American Frontline Nurses or uh, Ask the Nurses on all the same platforms. We also have a YouTube channel for Ask the Nurses podcast, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Most recently, I'm surprised we made it. Speaking as much truth as we do, I'm surprised we made it. Um, and then we'll be launching our website soon. On Fridays, we have a routine Zoom that is 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where nurses can join, like-minded nurses can um, come onto the Zoom and just talk and not be in the twilight zone for about an hour or two and know that they're not alone with this weird, crazy narrative. Um, we have a lot of other things like in the works um, as well. When our website launches, we'll have um, forums, discussions, memberships. We'll have classes and things like that. Um, it's just there's not a lot of us and we keep getting shut down left and right. So it's kind of like stagnating us, but we were not given up. So uh, feel free to contact us if you're a like-minded nurse or even a like-minded individual. We'd like to support you and we'd like the support as well because in times like this, we need to band together. It's, it's really imperative that we all stand united because if not, divided will fall. And that stands true more than ever now. So let's be brave together. It'll be less scary. Catherine, share your ebooks. Perfect. Yeah, you can get my grab my ebooks um, on my website. I have everything on Linktree. So probably the easiest way to find me is on um, on Instagram at Your Best Life by Catherine, and I'm sharing gut health tips and self sabotage tips and everything that's going on with. Um, our nursing movement. And like Nicole said, you know, from a self-sabotage point of view, our subconscious mind really, really likes being in a group. We feel safer in a group. And so we, we meet people every day. People are nurses are reaching out to us that they feel the same way um, as we do, but they're afraid to speak out that, you know, and they, they're the only ones. And, um, Hopefully, all our platforms offer a place for people to meet other people in their community who are like-minded, who are nurses, and then um, hopefully give them just the security they need to stand up and and um, to stand up for when 
for when patients need it, for when, um, you know, like Nicole did, when it's not right for a patient to get the jab because they have a certain, even, you know, past our, our concerns, but, you know, so far that they have, are already having blood clots, um, you know, and so this is a community where nurses can come, feel supported, and hopefully gain the strength to stand up in their own communities and in their own jobs. Oh, Megan, any last few statements, words of wisdom? Oh, I feel like we covered so much. I mean, I just say, you know, hello. Lou, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I feel like we covered anything more. Uh, no, I feel like we covered almost okay. pretty much everything. So <laughs> thank you for having me on. I yeah. really appreciate the invitation. It was a good talk. And uh, um, and as for me, um, uh, the my strength is other than bringing people together. And I really feel like I bet I bet all of us, if we go back to our, our past experiences, as if we've been made for this time, because that's how I feel for me. In fact, I when um, since I honor my tradition. Um, with respect, and I decided to write a book as well, and that's in honor for them. And and in that book, I also wanted to make sure that it that, that our connectivity is is can be seen because I feel like all our roots, whether it's indigenous, but we all have our indigenous background in our family. And that, those are like roots that when you see the trees, you don't really see where the roots go all over. So, and that's that's also in my imagination, that kind of also um, have that, the mushroom, and then you know those, that mushrooms can go all over and that internet connection, and that's how I look at us. So when it comes to prevention of, illness curative and just going back to many practices of indigenous science um that's always been what i have practiced for myself and for others and for the family so in icu i used to bring that reminder to honor their roots okay and because that that's sustainable there are many things that you may have to live behind. It's okay, like you know, if you're if we didn't come from a so-called perfect family, but that imperfection also the one that molded us to be who, what we are right now, or what we're doing right now, because that's just like it strength, it strengthens, it strengthens us. Okay, so and I thank you so much for all of you to be here. Um, we we need all the nurses to come together those who like to come together that will happen and if not it's okay too for those who want to be on the side all right so and that's about it and if you like this please share it to others please let them all come, you know reach out to any of us and i'll make sure that you know we could have this again maybe sometime in the near future okay all right Take care, guys. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you Thanks for having us. Yes. Mm -hmm.